Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Coolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. Good morning and welcome. It's so good to see all your faces and thank you so much for bearing the rain and coming out here. Uh, It is beautiful to have this rain. I've got so many plants that are looking more than sad, Uh, so I never water. Uh, They have to survive in my garden, but it's so good to have this rain. If you haven't met me before, my name's Rebecca or Beck, and I've been part of New Life for... I tried to figure it out, I don't know. It's between seven and 15 years. I know it's more than seven and less than 15, somewhere in that. And even here at Coolangatta, I know it was sometime during COVID. Isn't it funny how we use COVID as now as a reference point? It was pre-COVID or post-COVID, so, but, but there it is. <laughs> but it is such an honour to be up here today uh, and preaching the Word of God. And I hope it's an encouragement for us today. Um, writing this has been a challenge, and it's challenged my own heart as well. And not just because it's a topical sermon. I'm more of a get into the word, pull it apart, see what the meaning is. But uh, I felt that today we're going to have a look at testimony. And a short explanation of what I mean by testimony in this context is testimony is a story, my story of how I came to know Jesus. That's usually how we hear it in this context. And the reason I picked the topic of testimony is because it is something that I had such a distorted perception of when I was younger. I would compare my testimony, you know, my parents loved me and they took me to church, woo, kind of to these other testimonies that were drug dealers who then erratically were saved by Jesus and are now leading churches of gang members who saw a whole community change when they found the Lord, of people who had been in persecution and while they were there... um, the people holding guns in their face, they were praying for those people before they were shot. Those things, when you hear those stories, you think, well, my story, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I don't have a right to tell about my testimony. Testimony is for the elite. Testimony are for the faith superstars. No one wants to hear my story and what God has done in my life. And this comparison, it got really weird I would start to create scenarios where I think, oh, my testimony would be worthy if. My testimony would be worthy if, you know, a shark bit my leg. That would be okay. And I'd even figured out maybe the lower half of my leg. That would still be okay. And then I could still, and then I could show the witness of God through my struggle and my hardship. You know, testimony has to come out of something grand and mighty. So, you know, shark, a shark bite would be okay. That's ridiculous. Why would anyone want that to happen to them, like wish that upon themselves? Don't worry, it's not something I think now. It's nowhere near in my thought pattern. But it was not only a distorted perception, a testimony, but of who God was and what he had done in my life. But I think to a degree we can all compare We look at others and hear their story and we think, oh, I'll just stand back. I'll hold my voice in. But I want to challenge us today. You have a story. 
God has done something in your life and the world needs to hear it. Before we get into it, let's pray. God, I pray that this moment is yours. Thank you that you were already here and already moving in our hearts. Thank you that you have worked in my heart and I pray that these words I speak are yours and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So while we're exploring this idea of testimony, our guiding verse is actually going to come from Matthew 5, 14 to 16. And while you look it up, our senior pastor, Michael, a few weeks ago when he was preaching on 1 Peter 3, outlined a couple of the testimony things that I'm going to draw out in this sermon. It is a good sermon. It's online. I recommend uh, looking it up and hearing it either again or for the first time. Let's get into it. So Matthew 5, 14 reads, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I love the second part of this verse. All of it's good, but the second part is really good. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and ultimately glorify your Father in heaven. Now, this part is part of a longer teaching called the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, and he was teaching a crowd on a hillside. It wasn't just the 12 disciples, it was a crowd of people he was telling this to. People from every different walk of life, from every different age group, those who could gather were there. It wasn't just the specialized 12 that we seem to have that image of. It was to a group of people. And I believe he can speak to us as a group of people that he is working in our lives. He was working in each and every lives because he can radically change each and every person's life. We shouldn't neglect or minimalize our perception that what God has been doing in our life. Because the incredible thing is, God has invited us into the story that is happening. He has invited us to this grand story of his where we get to be participants within that story. How amazing is that? Let's start with testimony. So I mentioned earlier, generally in the church, testimony is usually defined as the religious experience of conversion. My life before I was saved and after I was saved. But this definition tends to be a really modern take on what testimony is. In the Old Testament, and we even see it in our legal systems now, It is the statement of a written or verbal experience of what someone has witnessed, what they have seen, what they have heard, what they have experienced. We see this in the Bible as we do in our courts today. People will stand before a judge or a group of elders and give account, give a testimony of what they have witnessed. And there are two things, the witness and the testimony, and they inextricably linked In the Greek word, they come from the same root word, matus, because to be able to testify, you must have first witnessed. After all, you cannot testify to how good a burger tastes 
unless you have tasted that burger. Yep. (laughs) You cannot testify of a friend's kindness until you have experienced that friend's kindness. Also, you will find it very difficult to testify, to share the forgiveness, the love and grace of God if you haven't experienced that for yourself. Luke 7 tells of a story where Jesus is sitting at a dinner table. He was invited over to Simon's house. And there a woman comes in and washes Jesus' feet with her tears. And she's there drying them with her hair. In Luke 7, 47, we read, Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, the host, Do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered had not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. This verse isn't saying she loved so much that God forgave her, that she acted and behaved in such a way that God forgave her. It is saying she experienced the love and the forgiveness of the Lord that it then propelled her to act in this way that culturally seems so bizarre, so unusual, and people look down on her. She was able to break free from the barriers that made her conform to whatever it was that society said she was, put the labels on that who she was, and she was able to come before her Saviour's feet, to Jesus' feet, and recognise who he was and do this act of mercy, of love, because she had experienced the mercy and the love. She had experienced the forgiveness of sins. And out of that, she had no misconceptions about who she was and who she was compared to the glory and the holiness of God. She knew every inch of her needed forgiveness. She experienced the love of God. In contrast, those other religious people who thought they just needed a little bit of forgiveness because in their religiosity, they had it together. They knew what they were doing. They knew that they could do this in their own strength, only let God come this far, yet no further. But that barrier, that wall that refused to invite the forgiveness, that refused to break through the pride into a place of humility and vulnerability, also blocked any love and forgiveness to extend past that wall to those around them. They were unable to see and love others because they had not experienced the love and the forgiveness of God because of that barrier and that wall. Her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. Whoever has known forgiveness a little, loves little. We can know the love of God. Do you know the love of God? And this was part of my shark bite problem. I thought the story had to be exceptional. It had to be grand because the experience I had had at that stage was not what I regarded exceptional. 
I was consumed at that stage with doing the right thing by being the right person, being strong for everyone and earning love. But at the same time, it was hiding a heart full of emotional turmoil, hurt, insecurities and a desire for sin. And it all festered behind this mask of apparent perfection. It wasn't until God sat me down and reached into my messiness, into my brokenness, and asked me to have it all. He wanted the mess. He wanted the chaos. He wanted the turmoil because he is a good God of grace and peace, and he is able to bring order to the chaos. And he wanted to take it, me, all of me, just as I was, and do something new. That is exceptional. It wasn't the event, but the thing that God, when God reaches down into a human and meets them face to face, that is exceptional. Do you know God? Do you know that God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to the world? God added to himself humanity. He was restricted as humans are restricted. He lived the life, knew the temptations and the frustrations, the tiredness, all of it, but still lived in perfection. And the reason he lived in perfection was so that he could take our place. Where we couldn't be perfect, he was. He took our imperfections, and in return, he gave us his perfection, his righteousness, his holiness, not so we can just grandstand about ourselves, but we can be in relationship with a God and a Father who loves us, who knows us, who cares for us, who wants to walk with us each and every day. Do you know this about God? It's an, not just an event that happened a long time ago, but it happens daily when someone commits their life to Christ. It happens every moment when we decide to live for God rather than for ourselves. It is something that happens when we testify to the goodness and the glory of God when it might be a bit hard for us to do. Do we know the love of God for ourselves? Our salvation cannot be strong-armed. It cannot be bought. We cannot influence our way into it or figure our way into salvation, into a relationship with God. What we can do is accept God is God. Jesus Christ is our King and learn of God's love, experience God's love through his Holy Spirit that is able to transform us from the inside. It is not just a head knowledge. It's not just a heart knowledge. It's not just an emotional experience. It's all of it. God wants us to love him with our mind, body, soul, and strength. Do you know of the love that God has freely given but cost him so much? Have you felt the magnitude of the love of God for you? Even you? Do we live like we are forgiven? Like we are loved? Because the truth is, as humans, we all testify with our lives, in our actions, in our deeds of what we believe. How we act and how we behave is an outworking of our beliefs. If I believe that monetary success is the ultimate goal, it'll taint how I interact with people around me. Do I use them for my benefit or are they in my way and need to be rid of? 
If I believe I'm only accepted if I have the perfect face or the perfect life, I am going to be doing some heavy-duty work to hide all that is not perfect or trying to make everything perfect. But if I believe that I am forgiven, that I am loved, that I have a relationship with God who loves me, sees me, knows me, and continues to work with me, that will change how I see myself, but also how I see others. Luke 6.45 reads, A good person brings good things out of good stored up in their hearts, and an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So then the question then becomes, not so much what is your testimony, but what are you testifying with your life? What is your life saying? Are you able to shine the light of God that has been at work in your life? Every believer in Jesus Christ has a testimony. All of us do. And every testimony is worthy. For no one can give the same testimony as you. No one can reach the same people as you. It doesn't matter if it was a radical conversion or a logical progression, or it was a, it's a life that never wavered from knowing God and his love. What does matter is that it is genuine and it is honest. Because we are surrounded with filters, with touch-ups, exaggerations, dramatizations, Instagram feeds that only highlight what we want others to see. But the world is crying out for real, for honest, for humility. For those who say, I don't have it all together, but I am trusting in God. I don't understand this circumstance, but God, you are my rock and my refuge in whom I trust. For those who do confess to be Christians, we believe only Jesus can be perfect. So why do we pretend to be so? We are a work in progress. It is in God's strength, through his Holy Spirit, as we learn of his grace, love, and forgiveness. Does this mean we wallow in our sins? In the Apostle Paul's words, certainly not. But we lean into God, for when we are weak, he is strong. And when we are real about our testimonies, with our own imperfections and the need for God's forgiveness, love, strength, and work in our lives, we are able to break down those walls and create a space for the work of God, not only in our own lives, but for the lives of those around us. We become invitational. When we look at the lives of all those who are considered the heroes of the faith, none of them had it perfected. None of them. You know, Daniel and Josiah were pretty good, but I think even they would say, it is God who is my strength and my refuge and whom I trust. Oh, King David, he was just a pendulum swinging. Abraham, uh, any one of them, they're, they're chaos. But God was faithful, true, and good. 
The Bible is filled with testimonies of people who are messy and imperfect and have this cycle of falling down and it is God who reaches out and changes their lives. The Bible is filled with testimonies. But ultimately, ultimately, it speaks of God's testimony from front to back. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. God is faithful when we are faithless. He is strength when we are weak. He is the hope when we are hopeless. He is the life when we are in death. He is the light when we are in darkness. He is the Redeemer, the Savior, when the whole world could not save itself. God's redemption is written throughout history and the Bible testifies to it. The power of the light is what shines bright, that illuminates a room. God is the light of the world. We are the lamp. The lamp comes in all different shapes and sizes and all different purposes, but it is the same light. And it is amazing that we get to share in the testimony of God. God, that we get to be part of his history, that we get to share the light of hope, love, and truth and forgiveness to those around us. There is power in testimony, and you've got a testimony. When we remember what God has done for us, when we look back on our lives, Our own testimony to ourselves can help encourage and grow us, especially if we're in a circumstance that's a bit sticky at the moment. We can reflect on, I remember when God saved me. He was faithful and good, and I knew his love. Oh, I remember when I had a challenge there, and I didn't think I was going to make it up that hill. But I remember God helped me all the way, step by step. Oh, I was really struggling with finances there. And I might have needed to change a few things, but God was my provision. He can be my hope. He can be my faith. He can be my truth now as well. We can testify to ourselves, to our own heart, of the history of what God has done for us. It can help us in the moment of struggle. Even when we participate in things like communion, when we eat the bread and drink the the wine, well, grape juice, we remember what God has done. It is a testimony. It is a witness of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and what that means for us as a community of believers. When we celebrate Easter and Christmas, it testifies of a God who didn't just create creation and then let it go, but entered into creation to save the people who had rejected previously. It testifies of a loving God who is active and involved with those of the world. In in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they had festivals that would testify of what God had done. During the festivals, they would speak the stories like in Exodus 12 for the Passover of where God became their salvation when they were stuck in slavery. In Deuteronomy 26, when they did the first fruits, this was a portion of their crop for the year. They brought it up to the temple and testified of how good God was and his provision and his way of taking them out of a place into the land of promise and they dedicated it to God. 
Have you ever thought about your tithes and offerings being a testimony? Have you ever thought about communion being a testimony? We speak, we hear, not only from ourselves but those around us as well. And when we read the Gospels, we read the testimony of those who walked with Jesus and it's raw and it's honest. The disciples testified to what they saw and they experienced. Michael Horton describes their witness as the apostles were not dispassionate historians. They were human beings. They were evangelists commissioned by the risen Christ to speak his word, but they mightn't have started as evangelists. Nevertheless, they testified to the historical events that they did not themselves fabricate. In fact, they expressed surprise, confusion, and even fear in the face of these events. The disciples' reality met the reality of Jesus Christ. These fishermen, these tax collectors, this average group of men collided with the great and powerful God. And in the moment of Pentecost, they were given the power of the Holy Spirit that still resides with us today. And this all-powerful God who brought through their salvation, they were able to go out and testify and create something as a group of people that we know as the church today. The only person's back who that was on was Jesus. These other people were empowered with the Holy Spirit. They were given the life of Jesus. They had lived and walked through life with Jesus Christ and they were able to testify to that. They didn't always get it right. They sometimes butted heads, but they got to be part of this story that God has created from the beginning of time, and he saw you in that story. We can build each other up when we share our highs and our lows with our confusion, with our successes. By sharing honest testimony with each other, we can encourage and strengthen each other. Even in our workplaces, some of us mightn't be able to say the words, but we can live like we believe that God is the God of love, hope, and forgiveness. And we can extend that love to those around us. We can display the fruits of the Spirit who guides us. And if we stumble, we can return back to God and let God be the strength when we are weak. Honest testimony reminds us it's not all about me. But it's also not all up to me. This was God's work. I am God's work. It encourages others in the faith as we share and encourage each other. And it is invitational to those in the world who see what we do. You have a testimony. You have a story. You are a lamp that is able to shine God's light into the world around you. So practically, what could this look like? There is this thing called the salvation testimony. We've talked a lot about our lives and our actions being testimony, but there is also the salvation testimony. Pastor Michael, a few weeks, brought up three points, and they're really good outline if you're not sure where to start. So the three questions start with, what was happening in your life? This is the before snap. For those who have been raised in the faith, you still have a before snap. There is still a moment in your life where you go, 
you know what? Actually, this is my testimony. This is my faith. As someone who did grow up in the life of the church, <laughs> and I probably, need, I probably, I definitely needed salvation from religiosity and perfectionism and a few other things, there was still a moment where God took me away from all the influences and all the sounds of the noise around me and sat me down where I could not go anywhere, that I was in such unfamiliar territory. I was overseas. I remember this. Overseas by myself for a few months, and it was God grabbing me by the scruff of the neck and saying, okay, you're either in or you're out. What's it going to be? That moment there, that moment there where I had to decide, is this the God that I really believe in? And why don't my actions marry up to that? Is this the moment I say yes to Jesus? And from that point on, I knew that I was surrendered to God and that my life will demonstrate that hopefully, it's not always perfect, but it will demonstrate God's love and mercy in my life. And he helped break me down. And it was painful and it was terrible and it was great. Because I got to be free. I got to be free and know something of the freedom in Christ. There is a beginning for everyone. How did Jesus become the main actor of your story? What was the decision process event that solidified the acceptance of Jesus as God in your life? Like I said, God pretty much had me by the scruff of the neck and said, let's do business. <laughs> he needed to. I wasn't listening. What was that decision point? It's okay if it was radical. It's okay if it was a logical progression. It was, it's okay if it was just suddenly in a room, something clicked and you went, oh, yeah. What was that? And number three, how has your life changed now? And this is a really good reflective question for us generally. Do you know how your life has changed now? Where is your hope? Where do you place your hope? Is it in Jesus Christ or those other things around you? Am I growing in this love and mercy that God has extended to me? Am I growing in that relationship with my God? And out of that, am I loving other people? Am I growing in the fruits of the Spirit? Even just a little bit. Our lives don't have to change drastically. Or they can drastically change a lot. Either way, the fact that God is intervening in your life is something exceptional and is worthy and people need to hear it. We have these three. This is just an overview. But there are some couple of tips as well. Be honest. Be yourself. I can't go where you go. You can't go where I go. We don't have the same interactions with the people around us. You have that privilege and honour. You have your workplaces, your families, your friends, your community groups. You have all that you have the light as well of Lord God. Shine that light where you are, where you set your feet. 
And you can do that being yourself. God wants you. You are his workmanship. You are created in God. And you have the Holy Spirit with you. Use normal language. Not everyone is going to understand I was redeemed by the blood of the Lamb who clothed me in his righteousness and will return to bring a new heaven and a new earth. Not everyone's going to understand that. And to be honest, it sounds pretty wild if you just, if someone came up to me like that in the street and be like, okay, what do we need? Do you need a glass of water? Use your own language. Jesus used parables. He knew how to relate to people and where they were at. We don't need all the fancy words. We need the honest and truth of the heart. We need the life that has been changed by God. Your words are good. You speak good. (laughs) Whatever that might be like, because it's you. Learn and grow in the understanding of what it is you believe and why. Keep seeking. Read your Bible. Know why it is you believe what you believe. And this can bring such a richness and depth that when that wind does come and sway you side by side, your roots are deep and you know the truth of who God is and why that is. It is so valuable to know. And there's so many podcasts, there's so many sermons, there's audio Bibles. If you're not a reader, you can listen to the Bible. There are so many functions to help. And there are things like Alpha that's coming up on Tuesday and small groups. All that stuff can help us grow in the knowledge of who God is. And that'll help strengthen us and strengthen our testimony. Keep in community. We are all together, the church. And the encouragement from those who have gone before us can encourage us today as we see them struggle with their faith walk, as they see that it's not about their faithfulness, but about God's faithfulness. It's not about their strength and power, but about God's strength and power. It's not about how fancy they are, but how wonderful and magnificent the almighty God who created this universe is. Come in community with each other. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Profess, we testify, we communicate, we declare. For he, that is God, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. Meet together. Come together. And the wonderful thing is, this might be an entirely new concept for you or something that you've been doing for a long time. In these groups, in these safe groups, like small groups or even catching up with a coffee with friends, you are able to practice your testimony. You are able to practice your daily walk with God. You are able to sit there and say, oh, I read this and God spoke to my heart. Learning to share with the safe people will help encourage and give you the confidence to when someone asks you, why do you believe in Jesus? You might know something more and have that practice and that confidence to speak out and say, 
because he has changed my life and I am now freer and a truer version of myself than I have ever been before because I know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's there for you as well. In safe community, we are able to practice these things, test them out. Keep in community. I love the prayer walks we're doing. I love that Alpha's available for anyone. I love that we go out into the community that God has placed us in and we serve the community. That's what we should be doing. But for each and every one of us as well, don't detach from the world. We are part of a workplace, a family. We are part of social groups, schools, sporting teams, craft groups, bowls teams, whatever it is. We are part of the world. And God has called us to be in the world, just not of it. You can be the light in those places where I cannot be. You can be the voice where someone is hurting and broken and you can be that light where they're having darkness because you carry God with you. The world needs us in it. I can't remember who the quote's from, but God has called us to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. We're not here to look after each other, although that is part of it. We're out to be part of the world as well. Be out there in community. Don't detach from the world. And finally, pray. At the beginning, at the middle, at the end, prayer should probably be at the top. And all those things in between, pray. This isn't up to us. It's not all on our shoulders to figure this out. We have the Holy Spirit with us and the power of prayer. Just that moment before, God, give me strength. God, give me wisdom. God, give me the words to speak now. And the knowledge that God has given us the Holy Spirit in our lives can help us in that moment. Pray. We are not alone in this. I started with the verse, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give light to everyone in the house. You have a house that God's light can reach because you are the lamp in that place. That's for you. Your testimony is for those around you. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We believe in a God who walks with us through every high and every low. And we get to live with the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us each and every way. We believe in Jesus Christ, that he knows what it is to be human. So when we're struggling, we're able to pray and go, God, I know you are the overcomer. Help me overcome this. We know the forgiveness and the love of God the Father, that he reached down and God Almighty, creator of the universe, saw us and wanted to be in a relationship with us. The world needs to hear this. In a world that is hurting, God is healing. In a world of broken disunity, he is unity. In a world of anger and resentment, he is forgiveness. 
in a world of hatred, he is love. In a world of darkness, he is light. God is God. Do our lives testify to this? Do we know our own testimony? Are we surrounding ourselves and sharing our stories and listening to other people's stories? I encourage this week, you look at the moments where you can just thank God. Seriously, my relationship with dishwashing has been a testimony to God. I hate washing the dishes, but I've gone from someone who actually grows rageful into someone who just thoroughly dislikes it. (laughs) I still dislike it. But it's God's doing something in my heart. It's ridiculous, but something as simple as that. Don't discount the little things. You are in the world, and God's light can shine in that. Your testimony is valid. Your testimony is worthy. You are worthy. God has said that. He has placed his seal on you. I pray this week as we go out, we know that we are loved, that we are forgiven, and that we are able to express that through words and deeds into the world around us, that we might love a little bit better, that we might forgive a little bit better, that we might have God's courage and strength to guide us through. And if you don't know about this God who I've been talking about and you do want to know, please ask any one of us, the person who brought you, any one of the leadership team, we would love to share about this God who has transformed hearts. So while we worship, I pray that we will do so with a heart in glorifying him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, God, that you are the God who reached down into humanity and saved us. Thank you that you saw that we could not save ourselves. You knew that the only way was for you to rectify the situation. And while it was us who were the problem, you became the solution. Thank you, God, that you are holy and mighty and that you love and adore us. And I pray as we go out this week that we will see more of you in our every day, in our every moments. God, you are the holy one and you work mightily in the big and the small and all in between. Thank you, God, that you are here. Thank you that you are with us. And I pray this week we will learn of you even more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page.